Hello, I am Niall Savage, uh, current Head of Audit Markets in KPMG, uh, and welcome to Series 2 of Conversations with Auditors, our podcast where we look at the key issues, opportunities and new ways of working that are shaping our profession, auditing. Today I'm delighted to be joined by our ESG Assurance Lead, Eva Sheehy. Eva is an expert in CSRD and is going to tell us a little bit more about the standards coming our way and maybe how things are looking and how people are approaching it. And Shane O'Reilly. Shane was ESG manager for one of Ireland's largest PLCs and currently is managing director of our Sustainable Futures practice. Shane is here to shed a bit of an operational light on how people are going about getting all this data and information that's needed. Welcome both. Thank you. Thanks, Lovely so, to be here. Thank you. Uh, let's start off. We're, we're done. The standards are in. Are we ready to go? Do people know what they're doing? I think so. I think at this stage, the ESRS standards were finalised in July. They have been out for a number of months now. Companies are coming to terms and grappling with applying those new standards for their business. At the moment, they're sector agnostic standards, so they apply to any industry, no matter what industry a business is in. They're applying the same set of standards. They're made up of 12 standards. There's two general standards, so that's general disclosures, general requirements, and then there are 10 sector um, topical standards that cover everything from environmental, social and governance standards. So a full suite of standards, they're in since July, everyone's now applying them, completing their double materiality assessments, their gap analysis to prepare for the CSRD. So there's no waiting now, the standards are coming and there has been additional draft guidance that's come in on double materiality, on value chain analysis and those data points that everyone is talking about now. There's nearly <laughs> there's a lot of data points. Companies are talking about those now and those implementation guidelines that are coming in are to help businesses comply with the CSRD. So there's additional tools coming and then in due course there will be sector specific standards coming from 2026 to help businesses down the line. Okay, but it feels like there's a little bit of certainty. People know when they're going to report, the standards are there, they should know what they're going to report at some point in time. Yeah. So, so paint a picture of me, like, what is it going to look like now when it lands and people start reporting? So I think what it will look like is, is going to be different for every business. The starting point really for this is completing a double materiality assessment. So that's where a business is going in to determine of the standards across pollution, water, own workforce, governance, what areas are material for my business and then require disclosure. That determines what governance structures, policies, metrics and targets need to go into a report. So every business will start their sustainability report with areas such as background information, their strategy, their business plan, their approach to stakeholder engagement. And then after that, it'll be the results of the double materiality assessment that determines the full suite of information that then needs to be included in their sustainability report. And that's what's going to require assurance. So the first wave of businesses that will be showing us their sustainability reports is wave one. They're required to report in FY24 data in 2025. And this is our large EU pie businesses with over 500 employees. So I think it'll be really interesting, especially for the first few years, the sustainability reports that are coming down the line. Some of the conversations we're having, Niall, around yeah. what it's actually going to look like and what good would look like is, is quite different from, from many organisations. So if you think of the organisations that are in wave one, who already have potentially a sustainability report in place, 
they're now looking at, well, what does this look like going forward? Some of this is going to have to be evidence-based now sitting in our annual report, which is already a, a tomb of an exercise for managed PLCs yeah. and large businesses. And now it's going to have 50 pages, another 100 pages. What, what is it going to look like? So we're having the, a lot of these really interesting conversations about what actually needs to sit uh, from a regulatory perspective yeah. in the annual report. But the legacy sustainability report is still very, very important because it has a lot of the narrative, it has mm. the stories, it has the images, it has what a company is actually doing, good, bad or indifferent, when it comes to the ESG agenda. And uh, companies are reluctant to, to let that pass up. They want to keep that going yeah. because it is far more than just a regulatory document. It is, it is something for ESG rating agencies, it is for wider stakeholders, it is for yeah. customers, it is for suppliers and a whole staff. host of, and yeah. staff, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and y you've, you've landed on a number, you've given me 50 to 100 pages, is that what we're seeing or expect to see or can people go as long on this as they want or you know, could they condense it even shorter? I'm really dying to see what they look like because I've talked about it so much. Yeah, we all are. I think. <laughs> yeah. And I think in the first couple of years, they're going to go long because they're a bit unsure about being yeah. called out for any <coughs> other reason, for a comply and explain criteria. So they're, they're likely to be long, they're likely to be arduous, uh, a bit turgid probably, yeah. uh, but no one wants to be called out as in missing something or leaving something yeah. out. Uh, and the whole focus of CSRD is that comparable information. Yeah. And you know, you just don't want to be called out and it's our, we're yeah. in our work we're doing with our clients, it is get it in, let's see what the f shape of the first few years look like. We know what minimum looks like. Yeah. What do you want to do after that is entirely yeah. up to you. Yeah. It'd be a shame if it ended up as a boilerplate document though, wouldn't it? it yeah. you know, it could undermine the real good in it if it just became, you know, something mm. that was the same everywhere and actually didn't give a flavour or a feel. That'd yeah, be fair. I don't think that it will come to that. From what I've seen with clients that I'm working with, there are those that are, you know, really excited and want to paint the picture of what they're doing as a business from yeah. a sustainability perspective. So I think the the types of reports that will come out here will be varied, yeah. and I think we will see who's really has this at top of their agenda versus those that are treating it more as a compliance exercise maybe at this stage. That'd be great. You agree, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, I mean, for us, it's all about the report, but for all our clients who are talking to at the moment, they're taking deep breaths. They know there's a lot of work to do. Operationally, what have you seen? What have you seen the ESG teams, the person who's been anointed to the czar of ESG in the organisation? How have they set up and how have they gone about this practically, you know, from a couple of years out? Yeah, so again, it, it sometimes comes down to scale. If you're a large yeah. organisation, you might have bodies at an operational level. You can <coughs> assign a particular side of desk piece of work to work with finance teams, and the finance teams, without doubt, are, are actually taking the lift on this. Whereas, uh, you know, <coughs> in practical terms, they're the custodians of the data ultimately, but they mm. haven't generated the data. Yeah. Right? Um, it's come from the operations, it's come from other support functions. Um, so they, the, the kind of steering group, if you like, of, of individuals tasked with pulling this together is really a mix, right? Yeah. Um, and that's fine if you've bodies to spare, right? There yeah. are <laughs> plenty of organisations where people are not sitting around with spare time, right? Uh, so that, that's a real challenge. Um, and it's, it's, it's taken the, I would say, the finance teams and sustainability teams for the most part coming together um, like they haven't before, I yeah. would say. Um, there's a real regulatory piece and rigor that the finance team bring to this non-financial data, which the sustainability teams haven't had that yeah. necessarily yeah. lens uh, applied to them in the past before. 
Um, it's been very self-regulated. Um, there have been a small number or selection of KPIs that might have been assured to a, t a particular degree over time, um, but that's not uniform, right? Yeah. Um, and interpretation of data hasn't been uniform. Clearly, the, the, the alignment of strategy and policy and understanding impacts, all of this is new. Yeah. So it has been, uh, as we see it so far, at least anyway, real coming of minds between the, you know, the support functions and finance and the operation side of things. Yeah, well, I know. I think I'm Go completely on. seeing the same as well as what Shane is seeing. And clients, I think, typically approach this where it first sits with finance or it's finance team's job because it's part of the annual report they're responsible for the whole report but quite quickly businesses are realizing this requires a full firm approach to this like a full business needs to be on board you need to have the buy-in all the way from your audit committee your board of directors right down through the functions of a business and i think it requires all teams from finance to be included but it needs your hr it needs your operations sales teams procurement all on board with the agenda because all the data as Shane was saying is coming from various elements of the business as well it needs to have that full firm view I think to be successful yeah it it, it, it screams as best practice most organizations I've been going into some poor soul from finance has been lumped with the yeah. job and they don't know how to go about it next yeah. I suppose the first good step might be to get that steering committee across the whole yeah, yeah brilliant brilliant yeah. and what is the time commitment like like you've put a number on pages which was great what are we thinking hours like in range? You know, what should people be budgeting for? Because I think people know there's a load of work, mm -hmm. but they really you know, need numbers. You need to understand what it's going to take. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would say in the readiness piece, getting yeah. to understand what it means for the organization. If you're budgeting, oh, I can do four or five hours inside of my desk here, you haven't been advised properly, yeah. I would say. Right, so it is, a, it is a heavy lift. Even if you have an established non-financial reporting uh, framework and a sustainability report, etc., a sustainability report already takes hundreds of man hours yeah. to get it over the line, particularly if you've got a very high level of, uh, of reporting against maybe CDP, FTSE for Good, MSCI, uh, 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 DJSI, all the, all the big ESG reporting uh, metrics that are voluntarily reported against now they take hundreds of man hours to get this yeah. information together csrd is that and more right so th the message that we've assigned very very clearly to uh, our clients and anyone that that, that we're working with is that it, it is hundreds of man hours in the first instance to get this yeah. over the line right and you need dedicated people looking at this uh, entirely that they can take a step back, look at the breadth of their operations, look at where it's impacted most. Um, uh, and as Eva said, there are, there are 10 operational standards here that work across environment, social and governance, but they're not all equally weighted. Yeah. You know, the, the social side of things has, you know, from, from very elemental consideration of it, a lot of labor laws already capturing huge data points from your HR teams. Yeah. It may sit there, and that's it and may reside there, but now it's going to have to be tapped into a bit more. Uh, people are reluctant, why do you need to know that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, GDPR doesn't let me give you that information. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm still part of the same organisation. Now <laughs> you have to disclose this yeah. information. So there's a, even internally conversations in companies, uh, people are talking that haven't had an opportunity to talk before. Yeah. And there's a, that, that uh, uh, movement of data between functions is, 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 is onerous, right? Mm. Um, and takes a bit of time even to build up trust internally. 
Yeah, it, 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 it feels like for your average group, you're talking hundreds of hours here to be set aside, not, yeah. not, you know, 50 or 60. Yeah. No. yeah, no, you're laughing at me. <laughs> the, the mere thought of yeah. it being 50 or 60. Okay, and are people actually surprised when you're going in and saying that to them in the back of their mind? Are they going, oh yeah, no, I know this is a full-time job. Are they going sort of, okay, we need to <laughs> tool up for this? I think there's there's a lot of surprise sometimes with the amount of commitment that is needed and once you go through I suppose the the steps to alignment and how long we're seeing in the market that it is taking yeah. I think businesses are then seeing actually we need more resource and usually it's pooling from teams they already have in a business it's hard to employ as we can see in the market it's very hard to get get employees in any department so usually they're pooling together what can we do and they do understand now that there is a bigger uplift i think that message is getting there and that it's definitely not a, a 50 hour job or a side of the desk job what are the challenges we're seeing so okay if, if we know now it's going to take this amount of hours we know we should probably have a steering committee you have a seven point plan which i know you roll out on a regular yeah. basis which is yeah. fantastic Where's the rubber hitting the road? What's sticky? What data points are we finding? It's just difficult. I think from a from a reporting boundary perspective, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I'm seeing at the moment. Okay. So coming to terms with the sustainability reporting boundary is vastly different than the financial reporting boundary. And that's sometimes hard to come to terms with. Businesses are used to looking at their financial reporting boundary, their group structure, parents, subsidiaries, JVs, associates. Now they have to consider their sustainability reporting boundary, which considers their whole value chain, upstream, downstream activities. So you're looking at your customers, you're looking at your suppliers, a full suite of information to identify who are the key actors in my value chain that could impact on my business, that could lead to a material impact risk or opportunity. That mindset shift is quite difficult, I think, to, to jump to. So that's probably the biggest challenge I'm seeing at the moment. That's really, really interesting. And, and Shane, what are you seeing? Anything different? Yeah, so, so building on that, I think there's a comparability issue that, that companies are struggling with now. Okay. So um, a year-on-year -year view of a particular metric. So what, what does that look like? So from a greenhouse gas emissions perspective, larger organisations are somewhat used to getting emissions data, there's an energy conversion piece that means a CO2, there's a, and, and they're somewhat comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, understanding from a strategy perspective, what Eva said about impacts, risks, and opportunities relative to that metric is very, very new, right? Yeah. Um, and it might be a, a nugget of information or it might be a nugget of expertise held in a very small part of the organization that now needs to be expanded upon that the leadership team need to understand what all those impacts, risks and opportunities mean. What's an example of the little nugget of information? Like, wh what are we talking about here? Like, is it something like water usage or emissions or well, what uh, could it be? Yeah. Fascinated. So, so pollution is catching a lot of companies. Okay, right? brilliant. Yeah. So um, what do you mean by that? So they're trying to understand, well, sh surely I'm, I'm licensed by a regulatory body for my water discharge, etc. Fine, that's a compliance piece. piece. I'm done. There's a box ticked, there's a form filled, someone stamps it and we're, uh, we're out of here. Yeah. Um, now you're asked to look at what is the strategy behind um, the generation of that foul water or wastewater, right? What uh, metrics are you using to, to capture that information? What strategy have you in place to mitigate or uh, uh, ameliorate that, that in the first place, right? And this might be uh, tens of millions of, 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 of litres of an output yeah. um, from a factory setting. And now you're asked to actually think about what that means for the operation uh, uh, somewhere up the value chain of that piece of kit. 
yeah. and that's not part of people's thinking. So yeah. now they have to kind of define that. It used to just be, that's a number for our local authority that they know we produced that, the temperature of it was that, the pollutants was this. That's only the starting block from now. So a lot of organizations are struggling with pollution. It looks very simple in the standard. Yeah. That's not the case. And if you apply that to the other nine standards yeah. if, uh, and what ones are material to you, you start to get an idea of the scale of questions that management team now have to get their heads around. And that's where, the to your point, the sticking point is, yeah. is that granularity that does not sit with that engineer that stamped that piece of paper for the last yeah. 10 years. He's now in the limelight as to what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right? What are we going to do about it? Um, and that, that's, that's quite a, a, sh a seismic shift in approach to, to non-financial non reporting data. That's, that's great insight. That's great insight. And what happens if it's so sticky you can't get it? What are the consequences? I think mm. uh, there's plenty of people who are worried, I, I just won't be able to get that information. What happens? Yeah. I think there's been, there's been a lot of phase-in reliefs introduced okay. with the finalisation of the standards, which I think really helps businesses. Over the first three years, there's a lot of phase-in reliefs to break down information that you don't, you may not have quantitative information for certain data metrics that may not need to be disclosed for the first three years. There's particular phase-in reliefs for companies with under 750 employees, which really helps. So it means everything doesn't need to be there for your first year of reporting. Okay. And your first year of reporting as well, you don't need to have comparable information in that first year. So there are benefits that are really helping. Um, I suppose over time, if businesses don't get there over time, there could be qualified reports. They might come down the line, there'll be penalties if businesses don't report. So it really is introducing now, now is the time to prepare so that you don't end up in that position down the line. Take the phase in reliefs that will benefit you, will help you get to your first year of reporting. And I think it will, it will work out, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. Agree, Shane, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I would also say is that companies that are taking advantage of the, of the, of the phasing element of it yeah. are still doing the work in the background anyway. Yeah. Right? Because they yeah. have the view that our first time reporting on this, you know, if we've gone this far, we might as well get the rest of it in place. These are systems and process changes. Um, and while they may not be reporting on them, they can make incremental improvements in the background without the pressure of of the assurance piece without the pressure of additional scrutiny, without the pressure of, of failure first time round, if you like. Um, so they're, you know, proactive companies are taking those steps early doors anyway. Yeah, no, that's very good. Just shifting it a little bit more to the operational side now, like, you know, great discussions around pollution and trapping it and sort of the perimeter and mindset mm -hmm. of how to go about it. Are people using any type of technology? Is there software out there to help them? Is there a complete gap in the market here? Or like, how are like people logging into their computers and doing the work? So, the honest answer is Excel is everyone's <laughs> friend here. Excel right? heaven. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there are clearly uh, support out of the box um, ESG software tools okay. um, that are good at capturing metrics. Yeah. Uh, either at a point of electronic uh, uh, input, so there's a level of automation. Or indeed, it's back to, well, my Excel spreadsheet is here. I transfer this number over here, and then on it goes to Eva or, or Niall or Shane to yeah. see what, where else ever that goes. Um, but they are, I would say, in a, a historic view. They're not necessarily what CSRD is looking for you to, to capture. Mm. So you might very well control the metrics in that format, but it's not going to help you with your um, necessarily organizing all your information so it 
you see your re uh, reporting disclosure requirements in a nice little box and a narrative that comes, comes with it. So there's a huge amount of manual uh, 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 scripting and narrative around the metrics. Clearly you have to write your own policies, clearly you have to write your own uh, 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 strategies and, and implementation plans, etc. So the tech out of the box is, is, is behind the curve in this sense, right? So companies right. are not, you know, they can't even write a check for this to happen for them, yeah. right? Um, so there's intermediary steps that will help them control data, but the narrative piece is, is, is back on companies still at this point. You're going to see in the, the SAP and Oracles of this world, we'll, we'll start those modules, we'll start yeah. those APIs and add-ons, they're coming, but uh, for reporting now, it's, it's, not just, it's not there just yet. Yeah, will AI help? Um, potentially we're on the narrative side of it, yeah. but it still needs an awful lot of scrutiny that you have actually written what actually is happening in yeah. the business. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. need, what is the input to derive that AI output? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's still early, early doors. I can imagine AI helping with the formative disclosure pieces that yeah. it must have the following criteria ticked mm -hmm. off, but then is that the English that you would like your company to be written sure. in? Uh, mm -hmm. And so on. So we can see it yeah. uh, progressively at, at this point in time, it's not brilliant, yeah. but in two, three years, mm. I can see it being a, a key part. Yeah. You'd, you'd have to imagine, given the, the scale and breadth of the standards, that somebody is going to develop the right tech tool to be used, or it'll just be bolting into your existing ERP. I think it will have to. In yeah. time, it will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's just trying to figure out what do we have, where is it coming from. It is very manual, as Shane said, and I think because there's a lot of judgment, subjectivity around the metrics, targets, all of that, it is quite manual, it is quite time consuming now. I think it will be over the next few years, we will see somebody or many people coming in with technical solutions that will help businesses will help with this. More, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and go into the business as opposed to just keep a trial balance on it. That's mm -hmm. really important. Um, so that's tech. Training, what should people be doing now in order to familiarise themselves with the standards, get comfortable, like is there things that they should be doing or can be doing or qualifications they can take? I think there's no kind of prescriptive training there when it comes to this. There are the standards, as we were saying, that have been finalised. There's implementation guidance, which clients and ourselves find really useful when preparing for the CSRD. Internally in KPMG, we've been doing a lot of workshops, sandbox sessions, one-to-one -one sessions, really to bring this to life. But it is new to everyone and we're all learning as we go. But I think all of those sessions have really helped bring in what will this look like down the line for businesses. But there's no specific, I suppose, prescriptive training when it comes to this yet. What do you, how have you seen organisations get themselves up the curve on it, Shane? Uh, a bit like ourselves. We've yeah. had to sprint yeah. and sprint very, very hard yeah. to, to, from July to now to yeah. be ready to be able to have conversations with clients, to tap into our own international network across Europe to go, what are you doing? We're seeing this. Can we help you with that? What are you seeing on, on pollution, as an example, and, and pulling that information back in? Um, and that's just the nature of it. We've had 12 standards released only a number of months ago uh, for the best part of an 18-month turnaround time for, for PLCs to be reporting against this um, that want a dummy year in between. So you've, you're condensing that 18 months down to six months. Yeah. Um, so those sandboxes that, that Eva spoke about that we've been running have been oversubscribed, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, because there's an appetite for that. So everything else is, is, is delayed beyond that. So it's up to us 
as, as practitioners, as professionals, uh, to, to fill that void mm. and to be you know, there for our clients in that, in that space. And steer people in the right direction. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think just to wrap up, I famously said Audit is going to save the world a couple of times, usually gets a decent giggle. But it's a great honour for the profession to be at the centre of this, mm. the ability to assure information and hopefully drive good behaviour and good, you know, good outcomes for the planet and society as a whole. So it wasn't a complete stretch. Yeah. Uh, what do you think this is going to look like in three to five years? I think it will eventually become business as usual for companies. They will have to report this. Non-financial reporting will be subject to the same rigour as financial reporting. They have equal prominence now within an annual report. And I think for businesses, it's an opportunity to be a real differentiator mm. in their particular industry, in their market, show what good information they have, what they're doing as a business from a sustainability perspective. And I think it's a really exciting time for change to be that differentiator, yeah. to show what they're doing and have overall a positive impact, I suppose, from a reputation point, credibility point, employee satisfaction and retention. There's a lot of positives mm. that can be seen with, with this objective and the agenda coming. Same, Shane, a rosy picture in the future? Yeah, I take a kind of harder view on it, okay. right? Uh, so audit might save the world, right? Thank but, you. Uh, so I'll give you that piece. <laughs> But where, where I see this being hugely important is, is for operational change. Okay. Right? So any organisation that we're talking to, we never start this conversation that this is a reporting uh, mechanism. This is an opportunity, as far as I'm concerned, to really shape operational excellence. So what do we mean by that? So the standards are looking for metrics. The standards are looking for a level of performance. The standards are looking for an improvement. Um, and it's in a coordinated way, so and it's organised and it's structured, right? It's brilliant for engineers and chemists, right? And yeah. all those people in operations who've been screaming for a mechanism to get this over over the line, right? So I, I can see CSRD. Yes, it is a reporting standard. Yes, there's a, a minimum compliance piece. Uh, yes, it is a heavy lift to even meet that minimum requirement. But absolutely, I see this as an opportunity for operational improvements in organisations, not just from a climate perspective, but that employee piece, that mm -hmm. wider stakeholder piece, um, even the examination in detail of your supply chain and the vulnerabilities of your supply chain um, and the resilience that you might need to start thinking about for your organization in the next 10, 15, 20 years, it's hugely powerful. We haven't even mm -hmm. really started to understand the implication of CSRD because our heads are, are buried in that getting this piece over the line. But as soon as we start to breathe and take a step back, we can see a real operational uh, opportunity here for organisations. That's great stuff. Thanks very much, Shane, and thanks, Eva. And I think that's a nice positive way to wrap up uh, this episode of Conversations with Auditors. As usual, if you've had any issues or concerns raised by anything that was covered in the podcast or any opportunities that we can help you with, by all means, contact Eva or Shane or your normal KPMG representative, who I'm sure will be only too delighted to help you. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it.